Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to the Colossians podcast. Over the course of 10 episodes, the staff team at Yarmouth Wesleyan will do a deep dive into some key passages from the book that you'll hopefully find helpful and engaging. So, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or leave us a review on Apple or Spotify as it helps us spread the word. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Here we are on another episode of our podcast, working through some of the finer points of Colossians. The passage I'm dealing with today is Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I love this verse. As we were getting ready to do Colossians, I kind of circled this verse early as something I wanted to talk about or teach about in the right setting or on the right platform. And here we are today. I find myself when I read uh, the Bible at home or spend my, find myself praying, what happens sometimes is I drift into pastoral mode far too often. I forget sometimes that, that, that AJ has his own spiritual journey. I have my own family, my own kids, my own heart, my own soul. And when I find myself reading the Bible or praying or even reading a great book, I drift into how this would make a great sermon. I drift into how I could teach to the staff or use it in a board meeting or take it into a counseling session later this week. I, I, I sometimes turn things into usable content for others more than looking at it inward in my own heart and soul. And that, that's kind of my issue that I've got to work through. But this verse, reading it today as a pastor, uh, the writings of a pastor, is actually helpful. Uh, I read this today and I can see the heart of a pastor in this passage. I can read this part and see how Paul talks about his ministry in ways that I have felt about it. I, I, can, I can see his language of toil and struggle, the, this effort language that Paul is using. Paul is giving it his all, and there's something about that that I really resonate with. Now, sometimes people in the church world can get uncomfortable with words like toil and struggle or the idea of effort. There's this idea, this teaching sometimes that if we speak of effort or work or works, plural, it almost sounds like we're some, talking about something contrary to the gospel or something that is uh, at odds with the gospel. And so people can get nervous around where's grace and where's the gospel if you're going to talk about effort and toil and struggle. But, but I think if you, if you read Paul's writings and if you read that verse even more carefully, it's not just toiling and struggling. It's doing it with all the energy and all the power that God is working in Paul. There is this idea in Paul that somebody who very much understands the gospel, somebody who very much understands God's grace at work in his life, is pairing that with his effort, with his toiling, and with his struggle. It's not that grace and effort are in opposition. It's that we just need to understand that grace covers our effort, or in another way we could say it, grace fuels the effort. And so Paul is extremely passionate about the church, and he's passionate about the, the passage he's writing about right now, which is about the maturing and the growth of the church, the capital C church. Sometimes I can get passionate about my church. I can get passionate about my people and things that I'm doing here, but, but Paul is passionate for the capital C church. I think we need more people who are passionate for the church, not just their church. And so I, I, I love seeing Paul's heart on display here. 
when, when we look specifically at what he's passionate about, there is this growth and maturity at play. And the way he describes the maturing and growth process is around warning and teaching, or as the NIV says, admonishing and teaching. Both warn and teach or admonish and teach, both are instructive root words, but one is inviting and one is more challenging, and I think you know which is which. We like this idea of teaching. Teaching adds value, it adds knowledge, or it gives you a skill. Teaching shows someone the way, it opens a door for them. The teacher makes things possible that may not have been possible for the student previous to meeting the teacher. The teacher helps the student to do what the student could not previously do. At home right now, we're doing a lot of home teaching. Uh, We're around each other a lot. And so God has granted us an unusual amount of opportunities. And so even this weekend, what an incredible weekend of weather. With the sun was shining, birds were out, shorts and t-shirt weather. And so I decided it was teaching time for the kids. And so we pulled the vehicles into the garage. We pulled out the soap and the water and the vacuum cleaners and the Windex. We pulled out garbage bags and we washed those vehicles down. We cleaned out Cheerios from four summers ago. We found toys. We found crayons. We found all manner of things stuffed under seats and in in little crevices and nooks and crannies. And we were teaching the kids how to wash, how to vacuum, how to clean the garbage out. But we were really teaching them to appreciate the things that God gives us. We were teaching them skills and ability that would serve them later. And the interesting thing was they enjoyed the process. They enjoyed getting to use the hose. They enjoyed spraying the vehicle down. Of course, not as much as spraying their siblings or their parents, but they enjoyed having the hose in their hands. They enjoyed uh, the soapy bucket and the, and, the, and the glove, and they enjoyed all the running the vacuum cleaner. They enjoyed the sense of accomplishment. But it's true for us as adults too, isn't it? The last thing that I was specifically taught in a tangible way was that a couple summers ago, I had to pay someone to teach me how to ride a motorcycle. I'd always wanted to. I never had. I did not have the skills or the knowledge, and somebody else did. So they had what I did not have. But after the weekend, I could then go do something I previously could not do. I think teaching empowers and it grants a certain level of authority to the person. What I could not do, I now can do. What I did not know, I now know. We tend to like this stuff. But Paul doesn't just say teach, he also says admonish. If teaching intends to show the way, then admonish intends to stop the way. Admonish intends to instruct, but it's corrective. It's confrontational. We aren't much for being corrected these days. Who do we let admonish us? Who do we give authority to? Which begs the question as well, does true authority need our permission to admonish or is the permission built into the authority? At home right now, like I said, we are being given an abundance of time to be spent together, to be around each other. And while this has given us a good amount of opportunities to teach people, It has also given us some opportunities to admonish other days. While we taught some kids this week how to wash and vacuum, we also had to admonish another kid to not bite their siblings. We teach one kid to ride their bike. We admonish another kid to not walk into the middle of the road. The kids liked to be taught new things, 
They did not like to be admonished. But it's not just the kids, is it? I do not react well when God uses a spiritual father or mother to admonish me. I really don't act well and don't like it when God uses my wife to admonish me for my attitude or my behavior. So on the outside, I may act like I'm 38, but on the inside, I'm a four-year-old throwing a temper tantrum for being corrected, for being stopped or admonished. We may prefer to be taught things, but we need to be admonished. Both are necessary. What, what Paul is saying in this passage here with these new Christians is that there are things in the Christian journey that we don't know, we don't know how to do, and somebody imparts that to us. That is the teaching process, and we receive the teaching. We now can do or we now know what previously we didn't. But there is a part of the, of the Christian journey where there's also it requires us to be admonished what we don't do, what we no longer participate in. Now, depending on your spiritual tradition, you may have grown up in a, in a church or a denomination that emphasized teaching or admonishing. You may, have, uh, you may have been raised in a denomination or church that was very empowering and life-giving. It was tooling you up. It was equipping. It was very teaching-oriented, and you found that very life-giving. Some of you may have been raised in a church or a denomination that was more admonishing-based. It was more corrective. It was more stop signs than green lights. But the reality is we need both. We need to know what manner we are to walk in, and we do need to know what we are to not walk in. And one of the things I feel as we think about the church today, we work through Colossians, is the pendulum is definitely swinging over to the teaching side, and we are losing a bit of our admonishing side. We just don't like authority in our life the way maybe we once did. We are reluctant or resistant to somebody speaking into us to say, Thou shalt not. But the reality is on this Christian journey, there are times that we shall, and there are times that we shall not. We need both. And what Paul gives us there is this picture that he is toiling and he is working to teach and admonish. He wants to show the way and he wants to stop the way for our growth, for our development, or a rich theological word for our sanctification. Now, the other part of this is not just teach and admonish or teach and warn. He says to do it with all wisdom. The helpful word is with all wisdom. Now, again, reading this like a pastor is actually really helpful. There are many times I finish preaching or teaching and people come around and, and they say, I could never do that. I could never get up there and preach. I could never get up there and teach. I could never get up there and talk for 20 or 25 or 30 minutes. And while I'm flattered and I appreciate the encouragement, I often think to myself, delivering content, that's the easiest part of my week. While most people sit in a room and are terrified by the thought of public speaking, they are terrified or crippled at the thought of having to get up front and speak to a crowd of people, while that cripples many, and truth be told, it's the gift of very few people, while that is a crippling idea, the idea of preaching or teaching content is infinitely less complicated than teaching and warning people. See, it's not, it's not the public speaking that is the great fear, is it? It's doing it in front of people. It's not the content going out. It's how it lands among the people. 
See, when I first started preaching, when I first started teaching, I used to obsess and stress over the delivery of content. I would work countless hours on the content, the manuscript, the wordsmithing, writing out, editing, color coding, bolding, highlighting. I would spend forever memorizing what I was about to say to people. I was emphasizing the delivery of the content. Now, 16 years into ministry, what I find myself stressed about or emphasizing is not the delivery, but the reception. It's not the content going out, it's how it lands among the people. Working with people is infinitely more complicated than I ever imagined. No wonder Paul says with all wisdom, because what we find on this journey is that the advice for one situation may not work in the next room you walk into because the room has changed, the people are, have changed, the situation has changed. It's not that our morals or our ethic changes, but the wisdom and how we deliver it and the wisdom of how we teach and warn based on who is in front of us moves and molds based on the crowd that God gives us or the person that God puts in our path. And so it's not just how truthful can you be because Truth without grace has hurt people. It, it has damaged people. It has wounded people. We, we have walked around from time to time in the church like the referee or like the gunslinger of the Wild West with a gun in our hand. And the minute we see something that we want to speak into or warn against, we pull the gun and we pull the trigger without any consideration of the other person and we blow them away. We do deep damage when we pull the trigger too fast. And so what Paul would say is, yes, teach and warn. But we need all wisdom, which ties back into chapter one that he prays for them to grow in their wisdom, to grow in their knowledge, because this people business is really, really hard work. And so what I need to remember as I teach and what I, when I warn, it's not what I want to say as much as it's what they need to hear. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in what will I say when I get in that moment? What will I say when I get up to preach? What will I say when I text them, when I phone them, when I show up on their, on their front yard and to have that difficult conversation? What will I say? But the real thing is, what do they need to hear from me? And so part of the process when we have this opportunity where, where God opens a door for teaching and admonishing is reminding ourselves that we need to come with a servant's heart. We need to come with an open-handed posture that comes as a servant, humble, not as an arrogant king riding in. We are not God, and they are not the enemy. They are brothers and sisters. And so when we walk up to them with the right posture, with the right heart intent, bathed in prayer, it changes the entire conversation. We also need to figure out uh, and to ask God, how can he use us today in the maturing of somebody else? Sometimes when we confront somebody or we want to teach or admonish, it's about us giving out what we know or what, what, what we believe to be true, not what do they need to hear. And so it's, it's not about us giving our speech or giving our little hobby horse subject. It's about speaking into somebody what they need to receive. It's about their maturing, not us offloading content or us offloading something we heard and now they need it. It's us coming beside them and looking at them as God sees them. 
The other issue in this whole conversation and teaching and, and admonishing is not just the giving. What about the receiving side? For all the times we pray for God to grant us wisdom in how we do it, for God to grant us an open door to have a tough conversation, what about the other side of that conversation? How often do we pray for ourselves to be ready to receive when it's us that needs to be taught, when it's me that needs to be admonished? Yes, I want grace and and wisdom when I do it, but I might need the double grace and the double wisdom for receiving it. As hard as it is to make the long walk across the room to speak into somebody, I think it's harder to have let somebody speak into us. And so however quick we think we are to make the walk, may we be twice as quick to receive when someone comes to us. When somebody comes to us to teach or admonish, hopefully in fear and trembling themselves, May we put ourselves in a posture to humbly and graciously receive the truth that God has given to them to pass on to us. And so pray before you go, but pray twice and be ready when someone comes to you. What a blessed and bumpy journey that the God of the universe would entrust this responsibility each to the other. That God would allow us for the good of each other to teach and admonish. May we walk in grace this week, whether we are giving or whether we are receiving.